and talking to our friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Jay Aubrey Loveless, but oh. you can call me Aubrey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Danielle. Hey, everybody. It's an all-Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics, and every week we interact with our listeners. And now, take it away, Danielle. I'm always caught off guard by this, but you do it every time. I don't know why. We're going to read some, some stories. Uh, we're going to read them, and we're going to talk about them. And then you're going to listen to us talking about them. And then you're going to... Talk about them too. You're gonna send us, hey, damn guys, that's the email, or you get on social media or something yeah. like that, and then we're gonna talk about what you talked about when you were talking about us talking about <laughs> the thing that we read, and that's friendship, and it's a book club, and then we're gonna tell you <laughs> what to read next time, and you're gonna read the thing. And we're all reading together, and that's also a book club. Back to you, John. Ah, oh. when you paused, I was like. And then she said something, and I was like, oh my god, that's amazing. You got me there. (laughs) Uh, And um, people have been posting their winnings from the raffle that we did when we raised money for rain. So thank you so much, everyone who's been posting all their prizes on the social media. Thanks for your donations. And congrats. I try to share those whenever I see them. Congrats to everyone. And and Jacob, man, what an amazing sketch you got from Lawrence Campbell. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that, that, Aubrey. I saw that, and I was just like, holy fucking shit that's amazing yeah uh lawrence campbell posted on twitter the grand prize for our giveaway um so that was so awesome and yeah it was a great abe sketch on the inside of that bprd hell on earth hardcover fun. and um, i also wanted to say mignola had a birthday hey. yeah happy birthday mignola happy birthday. yeah everybody go out and pre-order the quarantine sketchbook or buy the stuff on ebay if you can afford that stuff yeah this is a really great comic universe i think that we've all been really enjoying his and all his amazing collaborators' work and everything that they've built in this series, where even like characters like Kashi and Rasputin can get really good mini series, right? So happy birthday to Mignola. Happy birthday, Mr. Mignola. I wanted to shout out O Renee on Twitter and Facebook. He also posts on Mike Mignola's art under Wallclaw. He does these awesome fan comics. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, uh, you mentioned awesome. these a while back. And yeah. He, he had done some for this series, and I thought they were really great. And so I asked him if I could share some of them on our social medias, and he said, of course. I'll be sharing those as we post about these Kashi the Deathless stories. I encourage you to go over to Mike Mignola's art and check out some of his fan comics. Some of them are a little spoilery, though, if you haven't read all the stuff. But um, really good content from him. I really enjoy it. Does he uh, have a place that he's collected all of these online or anything like that? Um, not especially. You know, most of them are in Mike Mignola's art. If you search for his name under Wauclaw, W-A-C-L-A-W. But if you want to check him out on Facebook or Twitter, he also goes by O-J-C-I-E-C Renee. And I asked him, how do you pronounce that? And he just said, say O-Rene. Right That's how I'm going to pronounce that. And um, there is some not safe for work artwork on there. Just FYI. You right. know what I mean? He said, hey, you might want to let your listeners know. But um, but you can check out all his fan comics if you go to Mike Mignola's art. He posts every fan art Friday. So you can That's check funny. it out. You know, he even posted one for Mignola's birthday. And uh, Mignola liked it. It was really oh. cool. You know how it has a. Uh, you know how at the end of Hellboy in Hell, like there's this one scene where Hellboy's just sitting under the tree, and he's like, "All right." Yeah. It was Mignola yeah. sitting under the Aww. tree like that, and it was really cool. Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's awesome! And now we're gonna go on to our listener feedback. We had a listener hate you- feedback. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
we had a Hey You Damn Guys from Tom Fisher. Hey, it's Tom Fisher. Book Club member. That's right. He said, long time book club member here. I'm a massive Mignolaverse fan. Don't know a single other person who's read any of it. So your podcast is my only outlet for Hellboy discussions. Aww. And it's super meaningful for me. So thanks for keeping this up all the time. I know you damn guys are rockers. I follow only B, so I just wanted to share this with you. <laughs> COVID lockdowns kept me inside for months. And that meant my new band couldn't rehearse her gig, so we put down an album instead. Nice. I wanted to share the title track, Hell on Earth. Oh, hey. Yeah, and so um, this song is actually about, it's kind of inspired by the Wasteland storyline, which was the one where there was that little kid. With the mom and the jacket. Yeah, that was a really good one. It was really intense, too. It was the first Lawrence Campbell, I think. And it's got, like, Johan and all of them on the horses with nickels and everything. My phone background is still from that series. I, I changed it at that time, and it's still got that as, like, well, Johan and them on the horses. Yeah, that's an awesome Dave Johnson cover. I really love that one. And um, so if you check out the lyrics to the song, they actually incorporate a lot of the elements from that story. Okay. That's a really kick-ass song. I really enjoyed it. So I wanted to shout out his band. He said, while writing the music, I've just been listening to your episode on BPRD Hell on Earth Wasteland. And after rereading it, so the lyrics of the song are an almost literal recounting of the events in that arc, and appropriate at the time. I thought you might get a kick out of seeing, hearing it in its compressed poetic form. And so I wanted to shout out his band, Modus Fire. You can find them on Apple Music and Spotify and all those streaming platforms. M-O-D-U-S, okay. And the song is called Hell on Earth. And so I'll post a, he said, I asked him if I could post a little snippet of the song. And he said, of course. So thank you so much for letting us share your track. And uh, everybody go support some local music. Yeah, right on. Yeah, John, you sent me that track a couple of days ago. And I like was at work and I was like, yeah, I want to fucking stop working and jam this track. And it was <laughs> so good. I loved it. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. What a great song. Yeah, so Man, everybody I go support wait. their band. can't wait to check out the rest of the album yeah also the first thing that he had said was like he doesn't really have anyone else to talk to about the hellboy stuff and be parody stuff whatever maneuver stuff and so that's kind of interesting because you were like i'm gonna start this because of that same reason that's the exact same reason why i started it friends to talk about this shit with is that you're like hey let's do a book club yeah about it so literally that's why you fucking started doing this in the first place which i just find so charming that he was like hey me too oh look yeah. it's a book club it's friendship i'm really hoping that we so could that's, that's why this exists <laughs> yeah so really yeah. good that people are actually um you know finding this useful for that reason danielle i was thinking the exact same thing yeah it's great <laughs> john thank you for starting this podcast ah. about hellboy yeah it's fun it's my favorite thing to do <laughs> Plus, people keep sending us cool music. This yeah. Song is awesome. I it loved cool. it. Well, we had quite a few comments on our new All Frankenstein All the Time segment <laughs> of the podcast from last week. We Frankenstein Book Club. Yeah. We heard from an A.T. Johnston. Hey, A.T. Johnston. He's a book club member. He mentioned the rights in Frankenstein. Yeah. And that one of the panels was like kind of a conscious echo in the Frankenstein Underground by Ben Stenbeck. He mentioned that the rights in book 
that he was talking about is an illustrated edition of the Shelley novel. It's not actually a comic. Mm. It's an illustrated version. I think that's so cool yeah. that they're like, you're going to do this. That is cool. He did some Frankenstein comics, but never a straight adaptation as far as I know. He says that he follows every week, and it's become his ritual to listen while prepping for work every Tuesday. To what? This? Oh, thank you. Yeah, this show. And he thanked us for reading his listener feedback. He said that was a pleasant surprise. I'm still trying to sit my ass down and fire off a proper Hey You Damn Guys. I found the other notes. I can hit you with some comments from quite a few episodes. You damn guys make the internet worth being around. Aww. Yeah, oh. that was very sweet. The internet is terrible, so that is a nice <laughs> thing to say. Also, so you're getting ready for work. You got to go and you're just going to do this. It's going to be good. Good day at work today. You know what? Any Anytime you feel stressed out, just, you know, try and relax, man. And it's you're going to get through it. And you're going to come home at the end of the day. And you're going to be like, well, I sure did earn some money today. And hopefully it wasn't too terrible. And... You know, just lace up those shoes one at a time, man, and you you got this. Yeah. Is that a good, like, yeah. before work pep talk? Or yeah, that is okay. a good before go. work <laughs> pep talk, and it's just good to know that we're all out here. We're all out here together, you know, even though we're all separated, we're still together, we still share something important, and that is... Friendship. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> also, I can't wait to hear the questions you have for us. Yeah, yeah that'll be fun. I, lo- be fun. I love it when people fi- give us, like, questions or feedback from episodes from past, because I'm all like... Oh shit! Now I have to. I'm put on the spot. Now I got to think about that episode and that comic. And I, can't that. Fucking, like, I can't even and, fucking and like, remember what we did last week. So yeah, that's fun for me too to be like, oh, did we talk about right, that? No, cool. but, no, some, no. I mean, I've come to. I, I used to be like that, but I've come to expect it, and so now I try to remember. I'm not very okay. good at it, but John is always good at reminding us. Um, we also heard from Jerry Turnbull. Hey, Jerry Turnbull. He said, yeah, he said there's an artist edition in the rumor works for that Bernie writes in Frankenstein. Okay. Ooh, yeah, cool. I can't wait for that. Yeah. That's gonna, that's so exciting. Drew Campbell said, hey, Drew Campbell. Book club member. How about that? He said, I feel you, John. I would have raged at full screen DVDs too. In fact, I have often <laughs> raged. I see how pissed he was. It was great. <laughs> I have often raged about the mere existence of full screen DVDs. Why would anyone choose to watch a movie with an incomplete picture? I mean, really. It oh, boggles the mind. <laughs> he said, I'm very glad that TVs are widescreen now and full screen DVDs are just a relic of a foolish past. <laughs> I com- okay, so look, I, I completely agree because, like, I discovered, like, letterbox widescreen movies in the 80s when uh, the one movie, Interspace, would refuse to be, you know, pan and scan cut. Nice. And I, and I was just like, holy shit, so I'm missing pictures? You're like, holy so- shit, you can do that? <laughs> you can just refuse to fucking do that? Nice. Everybody should do that. And, and, and then so, they like, did. You know, I, I, have, I am of the belief that aspect ratios of films and movies and TV shows need to be preserved. No, sure. Also, I mean, that's, yeah. But, also, like, the people made the- TVs a square for some fucking reason. <laughs> Why? Well, but... But but that being said, like you know, the Buffy was in four three, and it's been like upgraded to sixteen nine, and mm. it's a horrible upgrade. It is terrible. <laughs> it needs to be in its original four three. Oh, okay, so, okay. So I agree. Fuck that full, full screen <laughs> bullshit. God damn. I know I didn't express this last week, but well, here we go. <laughs> Man, Aubrey had himself a Danielle rant it's right there. <laughs> strong opinion corner with Aubrey and Danielle. What are we gonna fucking get mad at today? Who knows? Aubrey apparently gets very passionate about. <laughs> no, I mean I feel like the, the panning thing is so odd. I never really understood <laughs> that shit either. Oh. So just put it in a, just put it in the th- have the black bars at the top and the yeah. bottom. It's fine. Nobody cares. Just do but, it. But 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 didn't you cut off my TV? 
I mean, you, know, you can see the whole thing, though. Whole but but you're cutting off. <laughs> yeah, but your TV's a square. It doesn't make any sense. I from love all this character, the red- character. From all the rednecks who used to come into the video store and complain about widescreen movies. Oh no! Wow. You remember them, John? I will say one thing about rednecks. I think that the thing about having a redneck is like you're a laborer and you work outside, kind of a thing. We got to find like another word for that of like just like how a dipshit. Because uh, dipshits can be any class, right? Well, how about how about the the people I used to uh, know in Alabama? Right on the dipshits from Alabama. How about that? We also heard from Hayden Orr. Hey, it's Hayden Orr. Hayden Orr, the book club member. He's a book club member. He said, "Hey, you damn guys! Another great episode. First off, John, do not watch I Frankenstein. Okay. It's crap. It's very. <laughs> it's like a very uninteresting underworld. Oh, okay, we kind of. Or do we want to do the thing where we watch everything, no matter how crap it is? Because I'm kind of a fan of doing that sometimes. Of like, look, I know this is crap. I'm gonna watch it and just revel in how bad it is. Right. Well, you know? Hayden said it's so forgettable. Okay. He also said Victor Frankenstein isn't groundbreaking either, but it's way better than I, Frankenstein. It's got a real Robert Downey Jr., Sherlock Holmes vibe to it, and Daniel Radcliffe is great. He said, and if someone was to make an extremely faithful adaptation of the book, I feel like you'd need to CGI the monster. Mm. I'm a huge proponent of practical effects in movies, but I don't know how you could faithfully recreate the eight-foot-tall monster with just a tall actor in makeup. The monster's eyes and movements are described by Victor to be awful to look at, and he's some kind of uncanny valley robot. Well, can I, really... I can I just go ahead with Lord of the Rings? Did a lot of forced perspective that really worked. Sure. And I'm assuming some of that had to do with some kind of technology. Like you could do some of that with computers and some of that with forced perspective and some of that with camera work and some of that. So I think it could be like a mishmash of stuff. Right. Well, he well, said like a Thanos level CGI. Because I, I did read that comment. So I was thinking it was something more like the way it's described in the book, the whole uncanny valley. It's supposed yeah. to look. He's supposed to look. Oh, it's supposed unnatural. to be uncanny valley. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. And he also said on the subject of Dracula, we talked about if that was a character in the comic. Last week, he said Vlad is real in the comic, and Jurescu is very similar to Dracula, including his encounter with Sir Edward Grey. Right, it yeah. mirrors Dracula's plan in the novel. But I also remember an interview with Mignola where he jokingly, but maybe also seriously, says that the vampire in House of the Living Dead that Hellboy nonchalantly impales with a sword is his version of Dracula. So there you go. Okay. The actual Dracula is stuck in a coffin in Mexico somewhere. Hey, That's awesome remember because that one looks like the the one that hellboy stabs it looks like the christopher lee dracula too. right yeah but, yeah but but not only that but that was an amazing scene because like the, the stake got pulled out he was all like i live stake got put back in again he's like yeah shut up or something. yeah <laughs> it was a great great comic beat that's really funny if that's the real dracula right he's alive for one second and then he gets killed again mark tweedell said hey mark tweedell book club host yeah yeah, he said, you should totally watch the Bram Stoker's Dracula and then read the Mignola comic. Okay. That was a great idea yeah. for an episode because Mignola did a version of the Bram Stoker's Dracula comic. Yeah, he's a big fan of that. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that he did that. So yeah, that would be a great episode to like watch the movie and then also look at the comic and talk about it. Sure, yeah. yeah. I, I'm sorry, I just can't stop thinking about uh, that movie. Sad, I... horny Dracula? <laughs> the movie... Is so fucking weird. The very first time I saw it, I remember like there's that scene where the train is going, and then you see the eyes in the sky looking at it. Yeah, I was like, yeah. "Holy <laughs> shit!" Like I that blew my mind a little bit. 
I'm so excited to rewatch that. <laughs> I've got to watch that again, like right now. Yeah, that's so great. That movie is so fucking great. I uh, I missed the opportunity to see that one in the theater because I went to go see our a school play of Julius Caesar. What? <laughs> <laughs> and then my and my dad and sister went to go see. Bram Stoker's Dracula. I eventually saw it on VHS. But to be to be you fair, a friend, you had a friend in the play, right? That's how. No, you... but they, oh, okay. it was set in modern times, and they were shooting people and on on stage. So it was great. Like like the My like the 17... Romeo and Juliet movie that yes. was his face directed. Oh, yeah, Boz Lerman. Yes. Boz Lerman directed like that. Yes. Wow. But like a few years earlier. Wow. Okay. Okay. Crazy. Maybe Boz yeah. Lerman was there, and he's like, you know what, I'm and... gonna fucking do this with <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Oh, but. But the reason I did go to see it was because the girl I was interested in at the time when I was in high school, I knew was seven something like years that. old, she was going to go see it. And I'm all like, well, I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it had to be something like that. Of course. No, that's I mean, great. No, so I, when was this movie? When did it come out? Like 92? Yeah, wow. probably somewhere around there. 91, 92. Interesting. Anyway, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to watch that again. Lobster 20,000 said. Lobster 20,000. <laughs> Book club under the member under the sea. Yeah. yeah. He said Ben Stenbeck's action scenes are so kinetic, but kind of in an understated way. If that makes any sense at all, it's a really cool effect. And we'll talk about Stenbeck's work a little bit more in this series. We also heard from Rescue Whiskey Cavalier on Instagram. Rescue Whiskey <laughs> Cavalier on Instagram. He said Book uh, club member. member. Yeah, we talked about <laughs> we talked about a numb. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, but he said Anum could be based on the Mesopotamian deity Anu, similar to how one of them became the Roman deity Pluto, and Pluto's also been mentioned in the comic. Tight, tight. The raining lightning on the Ogdraham also resembles countless mythologies about the Chazokamph. And so that's Baal, Zeus, Thor, Perun, Indra, and Suzanu. Yeah, I got to do more research into that. We had some feedback on Kashi the Deathless Part 1, our episode from last week. Jerry Turnbull uh, said again. Jerry Turnbull again. Still a book club he's member. Still a book club member. <laughs> there's a, he said there's a Russian folktale about Nightingale the Robber, who was a strange bird-human creature who could kill with its song. Okay, that sounds So that's definitely where that like came from. I can't believe I couldn't find that because I did look for that. <laughs> it was hard to type into Google. I was like, bird that kills? Yeah, you can't really. That's bird kind of a, song yeah. that kills? That seems I don't know. Like I couldn't find it. Something that, yeah, you would have to be like, oh, I know what that is. Yeah. That's from a culture I'm familiar with. <laughs> that's cool, though. And we also heard from Mark Tweedo again. He said that Mignola says Koshki. Koshski. Koshski. Koshki. Koshki. Yeah. He says, uh, but internally, there's a lot of debate about how to pronounce it, and they never came to a definite answer. Like Aubrey said, it's most likely a dialect variant thing, and the original pronunciation has probably been lost to time. All right. We, I mean, we could, we could go with the Mignola pronunciation, I guess. Koshki. Koshki. It's hard to say. Let's say Koshki. Haydenor also said regarding this story. What else did Haydenor say about the story? <laughs> a book club He's member. A book club what member. You know? What's he talking about? <laughs> he said, Great as always. It's hard to describe Mignola's writing voice. It's so weighty and mysterious, but at the same time, very matter of fact and comical. He says he's not a great writer, but I can't think of anyone else with a voice like his. Like a professor of religion and history having a conversation with a 1930s dock worker over a couple glasses of scotch. Truly fun to read. Okay. Yeah, yeah I like that. 
you know, you know, Mignola, you know, he, he keeps saying he's he's not a good writer, he's not a good artist, but I mean, he's just being humble because he the mark is, of a truly is, good artist, I mean, someone who thinks that they're crap and they're truly awesome. Yeah. When I was finishing this story today, I was just like, "Fuck, I love Mignola's writing. Yeah, he is a good writer. I love it. I mean, he is fucking like you say, Danielle, chef kiss. Yeah." Jason Avedon, we also heard from him. Jason Avedon. Book club member. Book club member. He said, okay, here's my tinfoil hat idea. Okay. The dragon that saved Koshki is the Andrew Jihad. Look at the part where Koshki and his two pals go to kill the t- last two dragons and their eggs, and their seven eggs just look like the Jihad prisons. There are nine Andrew Jihad. Mommy, Daddy, and seven eggs. So what are we really look- looking at? Is this reality as seen by this Russian folklore point of view? It's a crazy idea, but I can't think... Those numbers and shapes and the name dragon is only used for the Agra Jihad. This makes the Baba Yaga still evil, but sort of in defiance against the dragon, the Agra Jihad. It's definitely a rich new layer to the Hellboy universe. And there's this dream of Russia in between world where perception is different from the main reality. Yeah, it's an interesting, weird... It's like uh, mm. Clash of the Titans where they're moving the little things around, you know, but those I, are really I the people. S- you I know? started thinking about that, and mm. then I stopped because I was like, that's weirding me out. <laughs> so I'm just going to stop thinking about it. Yeah, but that is interesting. I, I, I But I, I really liked your theory of last week that they that they could have been the good Ogdra Jihad. The sure. more that I thought about that. It's like a mirror reality. Well, because there's Satan down in hell, and then there's Hellboy. Sure. Who's like also a demon, and he's supposed to be born into this great thing Everyone's with the right hand of doom. Everyone's trying to tell him, hey, you're the guy I'm He's like, you. no, I'm not going to do that. And then so maybe there's the Ogdra Jihad, and then these ones were going to be yeah. the Hellboy yeah, version of that. Yeah, there you go. Because he was the destroyer of worlds, and everyone's freaking out. They're like, he looks like the devil. We'll kill him. And, and he really saying, was the destroyer. that's what they were saying but about he was these the destroyer, babies. He was the destroyer of the bad world, you yeah, know, or whatever yeah. the fuck. And so, yeah, that's what I'm... Yeah, the you know the little babies. I like that theory too. But they kill these babies instantly. But what if those babies turned out to be something awesome and you know but, but that's, fight the Ogdrejad? But something? that's like that's not considering this other world thing. Like, did, right. does it exist in this other world? No, so that's a, like another spin on it that I really like. No, too. but I I also kind of had framed that mentally as because he's in the thrice nine lands in the tenth sure, thrice yeah. kingdom of the you know he's, oh you're right thrice, it does the, take place in so there. he's like in a fucking parallel dream yeah alternate you know mirror reality parallel universe thing anyway right so that's literally like just our two things squished together yeah kind of Wow. To make one very weird idea that makes me uncomfortable, <laughs> but is but neat also, to think about at the same time. But also, is he a reliable narrator? Because this is told from his point of view. So he's saying he some reliable? pretty flattering things about himself. Or is though. he? I mean, you know, because memory in and of itself is a flawed thing. True. Um, but he is also dead. He has no reason to lie. Yeah. Or yeah. and we've seen some he, weird maybe, shit with the Baba yeah. Yaga, like being in this alternate reality before like where hellboy was like and then the napkin turned into a river and we were like okay yeah and that kind of shit if the dragon that brought kashki back to life was the object you had why right if you bring kashki back to life yeah that's another layer truth because that dragon is very we we're given a lot of emotion to him you know he cares a lot about kashki and then, like, when he's all devastated that his family died, he literally, like, dies of, like, sadness. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. th- that character is displayed very emotional. So that would be an interesting take on that. I like that. I wa- also want to shout out Clayton Schofield. Clayton Schofield. 
book club member. That's right. Yeah, check him out on Twitter. He got some original art from Ben Stenbeck. Oh, that's nice. He got Ooh. two of the pages, uh, two of the pages that we're going to talk about today. I'll point them out when we get to them. And he oh, also- that just happened? Yeah, I think what so. What chances? I think he just got them, yeah. He also has a custom commission from Stenbeck where it's Koshki holding up the head of that nightingale bird. Oh, jeez. That's really cool. I was He posted on our Twitter, so huh. yeah, I retweeted those so you can check them out. Thank you so much, Clayton, for sharing your awesome art. Thank you. That's amazing. Regarding our new segment, Pancake versus Waffles. <laughs> oh, man. Jason Abaddon said chicken and waffles are the best breakfast. Mm, okay. Yeah. Mark also shared um, his pancakes for the week. And so if you follow Mark on Instagram, he posts some awesome food. He had some great pancakes. Then he also posted these crazy waffles. They look so delicious. He said that he prefers waffles, but only because his friend is a chef who's perfected her waffles. And he said later that he talked to the chefs and they said, you're more likely to get a bad waffle than a bad pancake. A good waffle is usually better than a good pancake. However, Japanese-style fluffy pancakes are better than both. Okay. Yeah, so thanks for that. <laughs> thanks Your for that. <laughs> mom makes okay. these crispy yeah, pancakes. Yeah, my mom makes these huge pancakes. They're, they're like giant, and they're pancakes. like crispy on the outside. Really good. I really love them. Yeah. yeah. I saw those uh, those pictures that he posted, and I was like, man, that really does look good. I, I mostly think of pancakes as like a soggy bread with a thick syrup. Well, if it. you wait. A while but, before but, you eat them, yes. To tell you the truth, the reason I don't really like pancakes that much is, is like my grandfather used to make the best pancake, but he died when I was eleven, so everything sucks compared to that. <laughs> oh man, working through some issues on the, on the book club podcast here. Okay, yeah, have, we've had a breakthrough. Kathy made some good ones, but to be honest, but, but to be honest, I just don't feel the need to eat soggy syrupy bread. Okay. But I'll eat some fucking beans. May I? May I? <laughs> may I just give you some advice? Don't put so much syrup on them. That's too much if they're soggy. <laughs> That's um, too much syrup. And but, Ross, Rat- but then I'm eating crappy bread. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ross Radke also weighed in. Uh, Ross Radke, book club member. That's right. My thinking is, if we're essentially eating a pastry dessert for breakfast, why kid ourselves with pancakes and waffles? I go for crepes, or if we're being really honest, donuts. Oh, let me show off and tell everybody I know how to make crepes. All right. <laughs> okay, oh. you can make crepes. Wow. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I don't like to wait. spend an hour fucking my entire kitchen up, but maybe that's just Maybe me. he has a good crepe place that he goes to. Okay, I see. All right. Yeah, it might gonna, just be that. I was going to say, if this motherfucking guy taught himself how to make crepes, it's over <laughs> for the rest of us assholes, because... That's impossible. It's an impossible task. Have you ever seen someone make crepes? You got to make yes. like a thousand terrible crepes to make a good crepe. Let it's us know. Impre- Ross. It's an impressive yeah. skill. But Let I'm us know, also Ross, like, if you can make a you, crepe. Man. <laughs> that's that's an impressive fucking skill. But who has the time to learn it unless you're a professional fucking pastry chef? Thank you for joining us for our episode. Frankenstein waffles and pancakes. I guess. See right? you next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like anyone who's like a new listener is like, what am I listening to? What am I to? fucking <laughs> listening to? Well, you're gonna edit all of this out, right? Like this hey, is none of this so, is making it into the episode, is it? All right. And now we're gonna get into our book club episode for the week. This week we're continuing our discussion of Kashi the Deathless. Kashki the Deathless, maybe I should say. <laughs> this week we're reading issues four through six. And we're going to pick up on this chapter four cover. This cover is beautiful. Oh, yeah. I really love this with um, Koshki 
and the salamanders. See, I can only imagine because I'm looking at the cover in the in the trade, and so it's just the the simple picture in the middle with the chapter four at the top. But I can imagine that in comic form, it had Koshki, the Deathless, on it, and a number box. Oh, the trade dress, yeah, yeah, and the fact that it's still just a simple image, and it allows the other stuff to exist on there i mean that's a graphic design amazement i mean i love it yeah well and you know we've always really you know obviously been a huge fan of um mike mignola's art style and the way that he uses yeah negative space um but he you know his use of negative space has always been very clever but here it's um it goes from clever to like super brilliant like this is just it's really this cover in particular, I think, is kind of a master class in like how to use negative space right, to your advantage. Yeah. Kind of it's thing. amazing. So at the end of issue three, he had just married Elena, and then at the last minute, this witch showed up, and she said that she had been searching all over the word for Koshki. What fucking sucks, though, is that that's the nice way of putting it. He fucking raised this poor yeah. girl from the dead. Sure, yeah. Okay, no, let's back up even before that. She begged him... To stay with her, and he was like, "No, bye. <laughs> Make sure you don't fuck your life up." And she was like, "Oh, I guess I'll fuck my life up." Yeah. And she fucked her life up so badly that she was taken prisoner by pirates, and she died in captivity. Yeah. And then in a raised- cage, and then he was like, "Hey, let me raise you from the dead after you were tortured to death, and raise you from the so she can't even fucking get any peace in death. She's now this like half life, yeah, half of a wraith." arguably a very terrible existence and then like he's about to marry her he did marry her he I married think. her and then he was like bye <laughs> again immediately like one second after they got married he was like never mind goodbye yeah and now she's just this wandering ghost it reminds me of at the end of hellboy in hell he passes by these souls that are just like on the beach like they're just like yeah. wailing to the sea or How whatever fucked yeah. up do you have to be yeah that's fucked up like can you at least not can you just be like hey maybe we should just put her soul to rest i mean i know i brought her soul back and then like married her and then like promptly abandoned her but maybe we could at least just dispel exactly. this ghost no they just fucking left her there that's to, very like you sad, just said yeah. to wail at the sea <laughs> what in the fuck but Koshki says, she had some power over him the moment he set eyes on her. Then she took my hand, led me away, and I was happy to go. I thought this was interesting, too. He also says, she told me her name, but of course she was lying. So I'll not bother to repeat it, and I will not say it was love at first sight, but it was something. Okay, so I'm But just... what is the name? I don't... That listen, was, that's listen. what I wondered. What is the name? Is there, are there, look, at this point in the story, do you have any doubt in your mind that that's... The Baba Yaga. I think when when it was. Oh uh, no, of course not. But I, I still do wonder what is the name that she gave. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No. But what I'm saying is, does anyone at the like is did anyone not think immediately? Hey, that's the Baba Yaga. I think we all saw it coming. Right. But it it is an interesting twist on this, and it kind of shows for for him from his point of view, I guess. But at this point. The way that we know that she had all this power over him and how he ended up, right. it kind of makes sense. I would say, sense. like, for us, we're kind of like, hey, that's a fucking Baba Yaga. Right? Yeah. For him, he's like, oh, there's a spell in the brain. Yeah. And he- well, okay, so I'm not really sure when I figured out it was Baba Yaga, but I'm like, yeah, that's totally the Baba Yaga. Yeah, but, yeah. like, at but, some point, but, you're like, but, man, but this is probably the Baba Yaga. You know, 
Maybe I'm more like Koshki than I'd like to admit. Maybe I just didn't realize that was Beyond Yaga at first. Yeah. Why would she be there? So what was her but, magical weird name? Write us a hey damn guys if you think you know what it yeah, was. I'm interested. Maybe it was Martha. <laughs> <laughs> Aubrey. Oh my god. That was a good one. And so Koshki, he goes off with her on a flying carpet, right? And they go over to Bald Mountain. And so I, we've probably talked about this, Night on Bald Mountain. This was a it's series of compositions my, by Mazorsky. Also and, my favorite section of Fantasia. Oh, okay. Well, we'll talk about that. It was inspired by Russian literary works and legend. Mazorsky composed a musical picture on the theme of a witch's Sabbath occurring on St. John's Eve. And he completed it on St. John's Eve. June 23rd, 1867. It is one of the first tone poems by the Russian composer. But although Mazorsky was proud of his efforts, his mentor, Mili Bakirev, refused to perform it. Night on Bald Mountain was never performed in any form during Mazorsky's lifetime. It was in 1886, five years later after Mazorsky's death, that Rimsky Korsakov published an arrangement of the work described as a fantasy for orchestra. It is through Rimsky-Korsakov's version that Night on Bald Mountain achieved lasting fame. Premiering in St. Petersburg in 1886, the world became a concert favorite. Half a century later, the work obtained perhaps its greatest exposure through the Walt Disney animated film Fantasia in 1940, featuring an arrangement by Leopold Stokowski, based on the Rimsky-Korsakov version. So the version of Fantasia that everybody knows is like, first Mazorsky had his version, then Rimsky-Korsakov had this version, and then... Sokowski had his version, and that's the one that everybody knows. Okay. So, okay. So Isn't that crazy? Huh. So basically what you're saying Interesting. is I, I love a cover song. <laughs> Essentially, right? Yeah. It's a cover of a cover. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a double God. cover. It's fucking Matrix-level shit there. Yeah. Anyway, I'll insert a clip of that here. Um, I gotta say, on this first panel here, I love uh, you know Dave Stewart. I mean, yeah, we are constantly praising him, but it is always well deserved, and I'll never stop. This appears to be the golden hour. It sure does. Where they're How on the, the magic fuck carpet, yeah. Did this man fucking paint the golden hour? He's just like, I think I'll make this the golden hour. Yeah, like okay, <laughs> just showing off at this point. Uh, also, I just want to say that this uh, these next few pages just seem to be her. Just showing off how fucking badass she is. Oh, I guess yeah. she's just like, just completely flexing on him and doing nothing else. She's like, let's go, let's go travel around and see how badass I am. Are you ready? Okay, I'm gonna go run my errands. He's all like, I love it. Yeah, he's just, she's like, just dragging cool. him. Yeah. She's just dragging him to all these places. She's like, let's go do my worshiping errands where everybody just bows down and tells me how much they think I'm great. And so it's just very, just it's very much just her flexing on him right. for three oh. pages. Maybe she's all like, hey, you know, like a doctor has to do their, their runs when they have to go meet with every patient. Maybe she's like, hey, I got to go do this thing. Look how cool I am. Exactly. I exactly. She, she makes totally is. She makes all the witches, warlocks, and ghouls bow before her. 
Then she goes over and the ancient kings rise up out of their tombs and they bow before her. <laughs> and this goes on and on for days and months. Koshki says, she took me places and I saw amazing things. And so they're hanging out at the golden hour. It's all epic. I'm sorry. I could just imagine her like being like, hey, check this out. Yeah. And then all these kings rise from their graves. And he's like, oh, kings rising from your graves just to bow to you. Okay. And then by the time they go to like their seventh or eighth place, she's like, hey, check this out. He's like, I know. <laughs> I get it. The kings are going to rise awesome. from their Okay. All right. I've, I've seen it. It's all right. When is this going to be fucking over? Can we get lunch? But she also mentions... Here's a nice detail. There is a witch at the bottom of the ocean who claims to be greater. I'd settle the matter with her, but the sea king bars my way. And so oh, this is an obvious God. reference to the is. third wish, right? Yeah, the Bog Rouge was down there. Well, I, mean, I was like, oh, fucking Bog Rouge. Yeah, she fucking totally hates the Baba Yaga. It's cool, though, that they're, that they, this rivalry like is well, thought, talking about it. I thought this was interesting because I guess the Baba Yaga hasn't lost her eye yet. But in the third wish... The Bagrush actually says that she's going to, when she cuts up Hellboy into a million pieces, she's going to send the Baba Yaga the eye to repay that debt. So, like, is Ooh. she doing that to show off or is she being nice? Like, hey, I'm going to give you this thing. A... Or maybe she's like, look, you couldn't get it, but yeah. I got it. Oh, yeah, that's maybe, very much a fuck she, you. Maybe she had a debt to pay. She's all like, hey, Baba Yaga, I need to borrow something. My Netflix subscription is about to <laughs> expire. Can you help me out? She's like, yes, but one day you'll have to repay me with Hellboy's eye. Oh, maybe you, yeah, maybe she owes her something, and that's why the the yeah. Baba Yaga's mad at her. Or I whatever. very much think it's a huge fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's no, a, that would be a good one too, though. Yeah, it is definitely a huge fuck you. But <laughs> maybe it's a Netflix password. <laughs> and then sure. the and then the Sea King, that was the one mermaid, the one that saved Hellboy. You know, she was trying to get the knife from her dad, who was the king. And so okay. then, then that ghost was down there. He says, "I'll be down that, down here with you forever." And still, okay, so until Strobel went down there and killed them, I guess. Well, yeah. Fuck you, Strobel. <laughs> but hey, so Danielle, yeah. I mean, uh, when you were saying like, "Have we figured this out since the Baba Yaga yet?" Right. And I'm all like, "Yes, I'm pretty sure I had figured that out yet." But it was this scene that was like, "Oh yeah, it's totally this Baba, is Baba Yaga. Yaga." Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know. Absolutely. She says, "I long to be master of all." And I will be now that you are with me. And then it shows them sleeping under the stars at night. You know, that's a bad idea. They're going to they're gonna wake up just have like hundreds of ticks. That's how you get Lyme <laughs> disease. Don't do that. Koshki says, and sometimes I would dream that we flew up into those stars and the sky would part and the true face of the gods would be revealed oh, yeah, and all their cosmos. secrets laid bare. Dope. That's we awesome. We got some Jack Kirby going on here. Wow, you really had it bad, Hellboy <laughs> says. And he's like, I know. Uh, and the word bubble. You see the way the word bubble yeah, is drawn right like there? It's kind of like, I know. Very I know. weak, like, I know. <laughs> Just tired. Just tired, man. But then one night, this little winged frog comes up to oh, Koshki as he's sleeping. He's like, I like you. So I have to warn you, your soul may be safely hidden away, but you are in danger of losing your heart. Be careful. The witch beside you is none other than the Baba Yaga. Uh. And I like how his reaction is like, no. Like, it's all little inside yeah. the thing. And she's like, damn you, Gorkov. So I guess that's the little frog's name is <laughs> I Gorkov. Love him. He's my friend and I love him. Yeah. He's like, help, as he runs off right there. <laughs> Get out of there, help. Gorkov. And so, uh, of course, I had to look that up. I don't really know if it has a reference to do with any of this. But there is a Lev Gorkov. He was a Russian-American research physicist, internationally known for pioneering work in the field of superconductivity. 
I guess maybe that might have something to do with like Vril. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you're stretching. Uh, okay. Well, then when he died, he became a frog. There you go. And then there's also Sergei Gorkov. He's a Russian banker and attorney, and he's been involved in a lot of controversy as of late with all this political stuff. So, um, but he was already in, you know, he was already kind of a prominent figure when this comic came out. So I don't know. Anyway, I just had to look that up. What does Gorkov mean? I'm always wondering stuff like that. I'm pretty sure that is an amazing coincidence. Yeah. So this last panel on this page, I'm going to praise the fact that the boom is... The B starts low, arches up, and goes to the M instead of the B is up and arches down. Because if it had been arches down, it would have looked like the boom was coming out of his butt. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I didn't even notice on Aubrey that we get a right hand of naked Koshki boom. <laughs> As the Baba Yaga falls down, she's like, my love. And he's like, never say that. And he says that she tricked him into killing those dragons, even the one that was like his own father. And she's like, no, it's for the good of the universe. And he's like, liar. I was blind before, but now I. And then she throws him back and she says, she's had these nightmares. She's read it in the stars. A world laid waste, mankind destroyed. Dragons and the spawn of dragons riding upon the earth. But Koshki says she's only upset because she couldn't stand to see a power greater than her own. And he starts, like, winding up all his power, right? So he's got, like, magical powers now. And I love this effect. We kind of saw some of this. Um, Edward Gray did some magic yeah, like it's, this. Yeah, cool, though. Where he kind of, like, makes those sigils in the air. I really like that version of that. And it's, like, different colors. The way that these are playing off each other in these yeah, panels awesome. is really amazing. It's interesting because, like, we also know that the green magic energy is connected to the Andrew Jihad. And Bobby Yaga's magic is like a orange lava color. Right, yeah. Is Bobby Yaga, who is not a good person, still fighting for the Earth? Right. I that's a really good point, and we've talked about that before, like you can be a good person you could be on the good side and do bad stuff, or you could be on the bad side and do good stuff. And Exactly. Um, I really like thinking about that. You know, that goes along with Jason Abaddon theories that Baba Yaga is really on this side where she's against the dragon, but she's just also eats little kids and counts fingers. Is she just <laughs> against the dragons, though, because they're more powerful than her? Right. Well, that's what Koshki you know, says. She's, yeah, I don't. She's not like against the dragons because it's the right thing to do or she loves oh, no. Earth or anything like that. Like, she's just no, fucking no, no, no. hates them because they're like seriously more powerful. So than you she agree is. with him? Well, yeah. Well, it's not, it's not that I think that she is for the Earth with her use of orange magic i think she's using magic of the earth right right hmm. maybe she thinks she's fighting for us i don't think she's, she's under fun. any sort of delusion about like a side at all i literally think it's just Actually, all about you know her you know what you're completely right okay, i guess what i was trying to say about the colors is the green represents the object you had and the orange represents of the earth hmm. yeah and not and not good or evil just that's the and, power and, source and, and i don't mean natural sure, i just sure. meant right and Koshki, i mean he he learned his magic from the dragon right. and from all his he little did. He did. friends he in did. his house and stuff like yeah, that so that's, it makes you know, sense yeah. i do like that his eyes are green and so his magic is green. so that kind yeah. of i mean you are right like mm -hmm. the the colors do you know, the, gr the, the themes green stay solid. Oh, shit. Maybe the orange represents the power of hell. 
Hey. Okay. Maybe yeah. So. Maybe so. He said, you take me for the thing I was, not what I have become. Uh. I was very full of myself. And of course, I was furious. He tells Hellboy back in the bar. We went at it for a long time. And so she calls down her eagles. He calls up these salamanders. Nice. And so that's like um, Strobel had that hell power. I guess yeah. it's symbolized by this. Meh. They burn all these forests and mountains. He says he thought that she fled. But now looking back, it's all too clear that she was planning her own revenge. And so he decides to go and seek out all these warlocks and witches and people that were <laughs> kneeling to her. And he made them all kneel to him. And those that didn't, he would kill them. And then he would raise them from the grave and take their magical powers. Jesus, fucking so brutal. This is so cool because we see those, like just like Aubrey said, that green energy kind of like the power from the oxygen head it's coming out of the dead corpse and it's going into his head you know what i mean Ugh. it's a really nice way of like illustrating that how do you illustrate is it a nice way of illustrating it or is it a fucking horrific way of well it's it's horrific but it's also it is a nice horrific way to illustrate this <laughs> but if you go like uh hey i want you to draw him gaining all their knowledge and putting it into his own into himself and you'd be like okay i guess this is how you draw oh, it's it. very skillful <laughs> but, it's not I mean, at all nice though but i mean also if you think about it like we know we know from stories we've read in the past because we've yohan that when they die they have no cares ah okay so remember it's easy yohan, to get it yeah do you remember yohan sent to this one dead character is like he's all like some 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 tell me about your story and he's like what does it matter and he's like what are you gonna tell me he's like sure here's my story right yeah yeah and so this is like you know he kills them and he brings them back to spill their secrets they don't care anymore right yeah they're dead but it, it it is telling that he's using the green audio had magic but also the same sigils that uh, Rasputin uses when he talks in the Rasputin. In oh, the, okay. Because it's know. the voice of the dragon. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. Well, I think because he says here he, that he takes it from them. So I think once they're dead, he can forcibly take that right. magic easier well, than if I they mean, were alive. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, he just kills them. It, it's just not important anymore. Well, maybe ghosts just need to rethink shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so... After all this, he's like, now who is the greatest power in the world? And so I wonder, this one dead guy, like, is he sent right there by the Baba Yaga? Because there's this one dead guy that's like, well, there's one, and he's greater than you. He's more powerful than you, and you have to go find him. He's waiting for you. Like, who is that guy? Is he? Is, is that the Baba Yaga's magic? Because we know that this is a trap at this point. We've already read for this. sure, yeah. Well, so I just wondered, what was, I wonder what was the motivation of this guy? You know what I mean? Obviously, obviously a trap. Yeah, so I did, Koshki says. I went to find this creature. Of course you did, Hellboy says. <laughs> Pride. It is a terrible thing, Koshki responds. Again, back to that frame story with the both of them there in the bar. And so Koshki comes and he meets this Mongolian devil character, right, in this armor. Um, there's some great sketches of Stenbeck designing this in the sketchbook. And he says that he's going to duel Koshki. He says, no magic. I have no fear of that. We'll settle it in the old way. Like men, Koshki says. And here's a goose. Who thought a goose could be so ominous? When you see that, you're like, oh, shit. Something no. fucked up's no. going to happen. No. no, I didn't. You didn't, you forgot about the goose for a second. No, it's, it's not even that. I just, birds are so prevalent in Mike Mignola's work 
that when I see another artist do it, I think they're just adding birds. Right. Sure, yeah. sure. But we, I mean, we saw also like that they're, the goose had like a really prominent role earlier. So I think that that's what John was alluding to of like, ah, remember when that goose, yeah. you know, but, had that really but, big role in the, in the, in the comic earlier. And so that's kind of like what he was saying. But it does, okay, but, but, but I think it is meant to like also, cap you off, catch you off guard. Yeah. I that's missed cool. it. Ah, interesting. Okay. It's cool though because you're right. They're you know, birds really are prominent in this in this Mignolaverse, you know, no matter who is illustrating the stories, so they very well could have just been like set dressing. Yeah. So it's interesting how they framed that. That's really cool. Yeah. I just was like, hey, cool bird picture. Also the fra- the framing so of this <laughs> the framing of the story is interesting because they they set it up for him to over and over be the victim of his own hubris, right? So in the page oh, just before course. this, we've got him like yeah, I went to go do all this stuff, and Hellboy's like, oh, of course you did. Yeah. He's like, yeah, well, I'm the first to admit that my pride was my own downfall. You know, it was terrible. Like, he's goading him into right. thinking, oh, so you can't fight without magic? The setup for this was very uh, appropriate, I thought. It was very interesting. And they have this epic battle. I really love this sword fight. Oh, I love the sword that the big guy has. Yeah. And, I don't um, know the name of it. So, listeners, if you know the name of it, please tell me. But it's gotta be I love the big, specific. chunky, but also curvedest of it. But I think it's an actual weapon. So, sure. Oh, okay. Well, I should look that up. Yeah. That uh, and John, you were saying somebody and during reader feedback, people were. Oh no, uh, what's it called? During uh, listener feedback, someone had said, listener yeah. feedback. <laughs> they were talking about how the. Um, this particular artist was is doing action. Yeah. Well, so this is a lot of action here. Yeah, it's kind of understated, but in a in a good way. That's what he said. Yeah. I can follow it, and it's not boring as hell. And there's a really great part where he cuts off Koshki's head, and then he catches it by the hair and puts it back on, just like he did in Darkness Calls. That was such a great yeah, rendition cool. by Fagredo, and so we get to see it here, the Stenbeck that's version. Sweet as move. Ben Stenbeck's art is amazing. It, it it tells the story. It flows very well. You, you're you never questioning what's going on. Yeah. yeah, you never have to do a double take of like, wait, what happened here? For sure, yeah. I agree with that. I mean, he's like, oh, this, my head's been cut off before. I know how to catch it. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Well, actually, this would have happened before, I think, before the events of Darkness Calls. Well, he's probably done well, it. A, but I he's think probably done saying it a, he's yeah. probably done it a I, bunch. I, I, right? I guess that's the same. He, he is. By, by, by the time... Darn his skull! By the time this point, he is the deathless. Yeah, yeah. it seems yeah. like he's, he's been done through it a bunch. so many battles. He knows how to catch his head when it flops <laughs> off. <laughs> and Koshki gets the upper hand on the Mongolian devil. He cuts off his hand. The areas of the art also that are that are blacked out in shadow and everything. He knows where to put that. Yeah, that's not something everybody can do, and oh, I yeah. like it. It's yeah. very pleasing to look at it when someone can do it well. It, it's like he knows where his light source is. Yeah. Yeah. And Koshki's like, I, well, I'm going to have to kill you now. I left you one-handed, so take off your helmet so I can make a clean job of it. And so the armored guy, he's like, first tell me your secret. How can a man be deathless? How can he have his head cut off? He's not stupid enough to fall for that shit, And right? then so he tells him his whole story. Oh, and in the middle of this, he goes that his soul is hidden. Hidden where? Ominous and then we see the goose. <laughs> Okay, listening so, spy goose something, that, something about that panel just makes me laugh so hard i don't know spy i just goose. i love okay, the fact so that it's this goose that's cute. gonna ruin all of this love it this is actually 
where the Manula bird thing comes into great play because we see so many panels with just birds. Yeah. And so we're like, where does it come from? Hidden where? There's a bird, and we're like, oh shit, that's a fucking Manila bird. Yeah. So you're saying that could be like just a beat panel where yeah. it's just kind of I like mean, yeah, I mean, set dressing. A, that is from because from what we know from the Manila verse, that sure. is a throwaway bird panel. But we don't know. <laughs> just to put some we'll pacing in, in there. A few moments. We find out later. To that me, that though, I'm reading this throwaway. and I'm like, that goose is listening. <laughs> don't say anything, you dumbass, you dummy. <laughs> But you know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about. If I hadn't seen that part where the goose turns into a girl who is hanging out with the Baba Yaga, I would be completely with you. But But I I did see that. So I know that this goose is listening. I think also going a month between issues, and that would have been like three or four months ago maybe at this point. Like I think a lot of listeners were just like Aubrey. Oh, that's that's a bird beat. You know, right, that's, a bird, I, that's a mood setting. I read panel. all of this like in one sitting, so I'm like, that's a fucking okay, spy yeah, so, goose. I mean, so, so that that that's where it comes in. It's like you did read all yeah. of this. All, like you mentioned this last week, you read all this in one sitting. Yeah. And I John I told I read what John told me to read and didn't go further no matter what I do. It's no matter you're a how sucker. much I want to, because fuck, I really do want to all the goddamn time. Yeah. But I think it's helpful because sure, it's sure. like I'm all like Hey, that's a fucking bird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. No, it's I totally like, agree. I, like, I love it. it I no, I get totally, it. I totally I get totally it. I totally missed sure. it. I totally missed it. It's good. It's all. a good effect well, it there. it works as both because it yeah, does it provide really does. a breath. But like to me, like it could either be pacing as in making space oh, or it could so be good. providing so much tension. And to me, that was just like, yeah. oh, it's providing so much tension there because it's oh. just like, don't say anything. That goose is listening to you. But also, Mignola wrote this story. Yeah. And, mm, god damn, he's so good. Yeah, sure. it is good. He's a good writer. And so Koshki, he tells where his soul is. It's inside an egg, inside a duck, inside a rabbit, Why inside a goat. So and the specific. goat's on the east of the farthest edge of the world. Yours is a strange story, the armored devil says. So we see the goose fly off. The armored devil takes off his helmet, and he reveals, is my face familiar? Wow. He's Koshki from the future. I am you, he says. I am the Koshki you will be. Koshki the devil. And so the Koshki, the, the real one that we're following, he cuts off that one's head, and then he does the same thing. Yeah, but he it's catches like, it you by the hair. Know and he picks it up. That's not going to work, right? He says that the Baba Yaga called him from his own future, and it is no distant future. For you are well on the road to being what I am now, Koshki the devil says. She called me that I might tease out of you your secret. That goose under the bridge was the Baba Yaga's daughter. And she'll tell her where the soul is hidden, and Baba Yaga's going to send an eagle out to fetch it. And so we see all this happening. We see the eagle come and take the goat out of that tree. As the devil Koshki turns into dust or whatever, he says, She loved you in her way. When you spurned her... She swore that if she could not have you one way, she would have you the other as a slave. And we see the Baba Yaga's grinning on this bottom panel. It's definitely not love of any kind. Right. <laughs> That's just well, terrible. Totally agree with you there. But I mean, I was just say it's just like, I have been wondering since we first encountered Koshki and he was sitting there in cobwebs over him. Right, yeah. Right. This is just adding to the Ooh, how did you get there? Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of, and this is kind of cool. It's just like, ooh, 
I wasn't expecting them being lovers. Right. That's an interesting Mary. twist on that. Well, he was like under and... a spell, right? Like he did all that against his will without even knowing what was well, going on. Well, yeah, I think it was like a glamour thing. It yeah. makes me think of that kind of thing, right? He says but, he couldn't but... he couldn't resist and he was happy to go. Yeah. You know. But yeah, but no, but I mean, that's fascinating to find out. Yeah. Yeah, he had a fucked up life. <laughs> I love this chapter five cover by Mignola. Another great cover. What are these flowers right here? Do you are know what kind lo- of? Are they lotuses? Or... Oh, okay. I like that. They might no. They might be like magnolia flowers. I love like the magnolias. the color direction that Dave Stewart took with this. Yeah, the, I mean, like magnolias are different. not purple, yeah. but the lighting is purple. I guess. Yeah. So that's why they're like that. But it's got it's kind of like with the light in the eyes of the skull and stuff like that. Yeah, they're you really, know. Um, anyway, colors, really, cool, sure. really, really cool. Really cool. So we pick up at the drunken limpet. So Koshki the devil fought his own future and in doing so lost his soul and became Koshki the damned. Ouch, Hellboy says. And we see Kosh- those are all his rings that he was wearing. <laughs> yeah. So I guess like when he lost all his power, I actually looked up these sigils. They're very similar to the ones in the Key of Solomon that we've seen in other stories, but I couldn't find. They're not exact ones. They're kind of variations of those. Yeah. So we see Koshki. He's still at the bridge right after this happened. And the Baba Yaga comes. He's like, oh, I've been waiting for you. I knew you would come. So I got my remaining powers and I spit them into this rag. And then I fed it to my horse. And we see the horse go off. And the horse, well, let's just say that they proved too much for the poor creature. And we see the horse like blows up with all the power. There's a boom right there. It leaves like a crater in the ground. But Baba Yaga says she can still make use of his sword. And he says, I would like nothing more than to use it on you. And But she makes him go and kill all the witches and warlocks who swore allegiance to him. So I, th- I thought this was kind of messed up, right? Because like all these people were just like, yes, now you're powerful. I'll serve you. And then he comes back and he kills all of them. Yeah, it's fucked up. But I mean, they swore allegiance to her. They wavered in their convictions. Right. That makes sense. But, like, we've seen the giants most of the time as enemies, but this one kind of looks kind of sweet. He's like, what? You got that question mark. Yeah. I kind of feel bad that that guy's going to die. She also sent him after the Leshy, but he says he could never find him. Likewise, she sent him for the Bog Rouge, and here Hellboy jumps in. Oh, her. She was horrible. Had a couple of her girls pound a nail into my head. Was going to eat my heart and feed my hand to a whale. And we get a nice Stenbeck version of that Mignola bog rouge. Nice. It looks like a Mignola right there. You know what I mean? Like we saw Lawrence oh, Campbell so do... Oh, good. Yeah, we saw Lawrence Campbell do a panel from Hellboy and Hound that looked just like Mignola. And yeah. this, I have to say, is like... Stenbeck is purposefully trying to make it look exactly like that. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, you can, you can do a side-by-side comparison, right? Of course. Simbeck is not only doing his time by you know his time by second paragraph, he's drawing the art the way you remember remember it because you don't want to see it unfamiliar. Right, yeah, I like that. And then Koshki talks about that he went down in there and he saw all these brave warriors. They deserved better deaths than what they got, he says. And so here we see him fighting the sea king and he chops off the end of his spear. That's the spear that that mermaid was trying to get back in the third wish. So that's him right there. Mm. That's her dad. But the Bog Rouge, Koshki says, she was a giant talking fish, Hellboy responds. Never saw her. Eventually, the Baba Yaga called me back to deal with Vasilisa. And then Hellboy kind of looks at him. He's been joking this whole time and offering this little commentary. But when Koshki mentions Vasilisa, he like really looks at him. She gets serious. I know. You knew her, he says. Yeah, so remember, Vasilisa saved Hellboy from Koshki's attack, and then he shot her with an arrow and killed her. And so Hellboy, she died in his arms. 
Yeah, so uh, we talked about Vasilisa. I think we've talked about her in a previous episode. She's a Russian fairy tale collected by Alexander Alfazev. And um, the legend of Vasilisa is very much like this one that um, plays out here. So she was sent by her stepmother to Baba Yaga to do these impossible chores for her. But Vasilisa had this little doll that would do everything. So that's how she was able to do them. And then the Baba Yaga rewarded her with that skull full of fire. But it wasn't just fire. It was a piece of the witch's soul. So we already knew all this, right? But there's a little kind of like interlude here where we see that she sent Kashki to kill her. And then so we see Kashki finds her in the forest to fetch back that little bit of magic. And he does. And we see him bury her. And um, all this is really beautiful. Like, it's a weird juxtaposition of him killing this little girl with this, like, makes beautiful worse, colors. Though. That makes yeah. it even, like, double horrific. Because it is so, like, it's very idyllic fairy tale land beautiful flowers and butterflies and everything and so yeah he's like murdering a child yeah but i also think it's interesting so like he looks sad to have done it he buries her and then he's there till the next morning you know what i mean so he stays there all night at the grave and then she wakes up the next day and she's well and then right. when he gets up the next day she's there again so this is him murdering this child over and yeah. over and over. At no point does he say, wow, this is so fucked up. Maybe I should just stop and find a way to kill myself. Right. He's just but like, I he... guess I better keep doing it. Like, right. come on. But, I mean, didn't he use all like, he was like, oh, she's back to life. Now I just keep murdering her again. Horrible. Because that's what Baba Yuga said. Right, right exactly. It. Even though his heart's not in it. It doesn't matter. He still kept doing it. This is that, like, Wolverine is killing Jean Grey, Jean Grey over and a million over, times. Yeah. But, uh, so uh. he talks about he's killing her and then she's there every day. And so this last panel here, he's like walking off and she's like, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow panel. get killed again. Who else could make something like this funny? Yes, exactly. This is horrible. So, but it's. It's that was a cute beat. So I don't know how he did it, yeah. but he managed to make that funny. It isn't as dour as you think it would yeah. be, right? And so Koshki runs out into this woman in the field, and she says that's the ghost of old Vasilisa. Many have seen her, though I have not. She was old before I was born and died long ago. So Koshki goes to her grave and he digs her up. And we get a whole page of just him doing this, you know what I mean? Grim. As like it fades into the dead of night. Um, we've talked about this before, like how these characters that exist in the other realm or in hell, they have two versions of them. Right. And so this is like that Russian version of death, yeah. but it's like the alive version. He's got a face. Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, and he it's not the ribcage thing either. Well, it's, it's like a design. That's the same jacket. Though. Is it the same? Yeah. Because I think it's bones in the other. Well, we'll see in a second. Oh. Well, no, no. We actually talked about that the other day because I was just like, oh, my God. His jacket represents the bones. It's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's the same jacket. It's just that he's got skin on his face. Okay. Nice. And he says that Vasilisa, she had the skull with the fire in it, and she could have used it to become Vasilisa the Terrible, but she didn't. She threw the skull away, and for long years after, lived a decent life. And Kashi's like, well, the Baba Yaga wants it back. She wants what's inside it. It's not there. Vasilisa took it into herself. The magic is a living thing, and even now, though she is long dead, it lives still in her heart. And we see her buried there, and she's dead, but she looks alive. 
And that's a really beautiful panel. I think that's really amazing. And all yeah. those flowers, you know, we saw those flowers um, in all those previous scenes. She's always surrounded by those things. And so they're even there in the coffin with her. Where have we seen them before? Oh, are those the lilies? Hmm. Wow. I like that. Koshki says, do I know you? You knew me once a long time ago, but I do not think we'll ever meet again. So remember uh, when the dragon was mm -hmm. making Koshki back to life, he was like, think what you were doing. Yeah. Right? And so now he's here again. He's like, yeah, we did meet before, but I don't think we'll Whoa. ever meet again. That sucks. Okay, so I actually took that line as is like, you know, he's dead. He met him, you know, Koshki got chopped up and Oh, the, you're right. The, he's a Russian version of the, death, yeah. And then the dragon uh, rebuilt him, um, but kept his soul separate so he wouldn't die. And so I already we already know that he's in hell. So I was all like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, this is like an end joke. He's like, We're never gonna meet you again. But of course I hadn't reached the end of the story. No, but I want to come back out. to that. I want to come back to that. That's an interesting. That gives me an interesting idea that we'll talk about later. Because you know, you know, he said, "I'll never see you again." Yeah. So then, uh, the groundskeeper, or whatever, the grave digger guy, he comes across Koshki with the casket of Vasilisa, and he's like, "Hey, what hey, in hell, guys? What in the hell do you think you're doing?" Yeah. And so Koshki, he talks to the man. He says, "Do you know this woman?" He says, it's Vasilisa the Beautiful, and doesn't she look just like the same as I remember, just as she did when my grandfather dug her grave? And so Koshki reveals to Hellboy that he still had a little bit of his powers left. He didn't spit them all out into the rag, and he used the very last bit of it to change Vasilisa's coffin into a boat, and gold enough to pay the old man to sail her away. Oh, nice. We get this beautiful panel of him sailing away in the air on this boat. It's got a dragon at the head of it. You know, I thought that was a nice detail. But um, that's a great panel. That's really nice. The boat has, like, the motif of her dress yeah, and all that nice. kind of stuff. I really like that. I love the boat panel. It's a great panel. And so after the boat sails off, we get some nice panels, some nice pacing of that thing going off into the sunset. And then Baba Yaga shows up. And he's like, ah, oh, you're too late. I already put Vasilisa now where she's safe, so you can punish me and do your worst. And she's like, well, she may be safe, but she's got children, and those children have children, and they all live in this village down there. So you said do your worst. And she did. We see him back with Hellboy talking in the bar. She turned me into something like a wolf and sent me down into that village, Koshki says. And we get this amazing rendition yeah, of that. Hell. It's horrible, right, of this giant werewolf just going down there. And massacring everybody. At this point, I've had enough of this story. Like, I'm I'm over it. Well, <laughs> I've had enough. This bottom panel, after everybody's dead, he's howling. That's, that's more than just a, oh, I'm a wolf howling. That's a, my soul is torn apart. And this is the most horrible thing that I was forced to do. I didn't yeah. want to do this. Baba Yaga appears and she says, for him to go, crawl away, find some dark hole, and grow old and rot. But you will never die. And so we see Koshki. He goes off through the snow. And he finally goes back to the dragon's palace. The one that he thought of as his father. Where I was a servant. And we remember that pen where he's cleaning the floors. And we got that doot doot on the yeah, bear right doot, there. Doot. Here we've got the... Uh... What's his name? Eating the guy. Oh wow! Yeah, you're right. It's that uh, Goya painting. Right again. Saturn we got another devouring his son. You're absolutely right. We've had several uh, allusions to that in other series, huh. but that's totally it. Ah, oh, uh, good job, Danielle. Oh my god! 
I did not even spot that. Yeah, I didn't. I saw it, but I didn't think about that. Oh my god, I'm zooming into it right now <laughs> as we speak. It's still as horrible as I remember. <laughs> and so Koshki goes to the throne of the dragon. And so I wanted to talk about this. When we saw the headboard, it had the two-headed yeah. eagle. And then here the throne also has yeah. the two-headed eagle. I kind of looked for this. It is a charge associated with the concept of empire. Most modern uses of the symbol are directly or indirectly associated with the use of the Roman Byzantine Empire, whose use of it represented the empire's dominion over the Near East and the West. The double-headed eagle was a main element of the coat of arms of the Russian Empire, modified in various ways from the reign of Ivan the Terrible onwards, with the shape of the eagle getting its definite Russian form during the reign of Peter the Great. And so that goes along with this whole kind of Russian fairy tale and everything. I really like that motif and how, you know, they really do their research into this stuff and how to design it, you know, double eagle Russian motif. And so Koshki sits down and he says, but oh, you gods, I am tired. Let the world turn, but not here, not for me. I am. And then we just get a panel of black. And then it just, who knows how long that lasts. And then Koshki, what? <laughs> and he's there in all the cobwebs. I have a task for you. So she comes and interrupts him after all this time. Um, but that's where we pick up in Darkness Calls. That was the same thing that happens. I actually went back and looked at Figredo's work. We see the Baba Yaga fly up to that palace. And it's exactly the same as Guy Davis and Ben Stenbeck drew the Dragon's Palace. I really like that. So um, it was good to go back and check out those Darkness Calls panels. So we pick up on this chapter six. And we've got Koshki with the horns all in the green. We know that what this is from, right? Oh, shit. It's from Darkness Calls. And I love seeing Mignola do it. You know what I mean? Mignola, Darkness Calls is a series where he kind of lets somebody take over for the first time. A lot of fans at the time were maybe a little disappointed, although I love Fagredo's work. But it's really cool to see Mignola's version of something that happened in that series. I love this. We pick up Somewhere in Hell, and Koshki's like, well... The most of the rest you know. The Baba Yaga came to me and promised me my soul back if I would kill you and bring her your left eye. I could not help but notice her own left eye was missing. And Hellboy's like, yeah, that was me. That was back in 64. And so we get this flashback to the Baba Yaga, the short story. Come out, babies. Grandmother wants to see you. And so that's the part where she's counting all the fingers. So I love recreations and we get some great Ben Stenbeck recreations of those scenes. They're pretty much spot on too. And so uh, I like this because we see her counting the fingers and then we cut back to Koshki and Hellboy in the bar. It sounds like something she would do. She was a great hoarder of souls. Sure, but she was counting fingers, but whatever. Then she plucked a guy's head off and blew fire into it. And I figured I'd seen enough. <laughs> we get the whole recreation of this. I actually went back and looked at the Mignola panels from the Baba Yaga short story. And they're exactly like this, right? Hellboy jumps through the air. Pick a spot. Because I'm going to plant you right there, you horrible thing. And so she throws a skull down at him. And he fires blindly. And he shoots out her eye. Hellboy says, of course, I wasn't trying for her eye. If I had blown her whole head off like I was trying to do... I guess you'd still be sleeping in that chair. I suppose that's true, Koshki responds. And you know she lost more than just the eye, don't you? And I wondered if she thought that by getting your eye, she'd get that lost something back. Or was it just revenge? And then we get another call back to Darkness Calls here. And we see Hellboy talking to the Domovoy right before Koshki comes in and they start fighting. And I love they even recreate the panel where like, Hellboy blocks the axe with the chair, and we see the little Domovoy go, 
my chair, Aww. right? Because he's like the house spirit or yeah. whatever. He has to protect all that stuff. I like the panel where they recreate the Dumbo Boy uh, smoking a cigar right there. Look at Hellboy. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, they that's have a, a great... smoke together. They're I forgot. Out. Yeah. They're pals. And then that's where Vasilisa came in. And they talk about that in the bar. Kashi's like, she saved your life that time. And the second time, that was her too. And so we see where Hellboy threw Vasilisa's comb at Kashki and then it like stabbed him through. It turned into this giant tree. I like how they're like, all this horrible stuff happened between them, but they're able to just talk about it and be like, remember this? Yeah. Remember that time? Oh, that was Vasilisa too. Okay. Remember when I I impaled you with a bunch of trees? That was the comb. That was Vasilisa's (laughs) comb. Oh, okay. Uh, Ben Stenbeck renders that basically the way we remember it he's all like what is a fucking comb tosses it away and then holy shit fucking trees burst through his lungs <laughs> <laughs> and and even after all that he's like she was your guardian angel you know what i mean well, like he knows he fucked up yeah i don't know i just think that's very sweet yeah they're pals now and we see baba yaga asking for kashki's soul and then she breathes her last energy to it you know we we've seen all this before but it's really nice like they're finally, they've gotten to the point where they can talk about this together. Right. And I just love seeing the action interspersed with their little dialogue here. Yeah. He's like, that was a hell of a fight. <laughs> They're having beers. Talking about, yeah. Because of this panel here of him, like, there's, it's like raining hellfire. Yeah. And all this shit, like meteors and just fucking fire and brimstone. And he's like, ah. And he's just like, oh shit. And it's very dramatic with like your, his Hellboy's trench coat blowing in the wind and shit and then the next panel they're just fucking sipping beer yeah remember that time we tried to kill each other those were good it's like i didn't want to do it i begged her to let me stop and she wouldn't you know and then so we're just cutting back and forth to all this but it's also telling because she sent kashki on all these missions to kill people that were her rivals and to go kill hellboy but he can't do it. Because remember back in the day when we were reading Darkness Calls and we're all like, ah, you know, Hellboy is just better. It is interesting, yeah, from this point of view. From Koshki, it's just uh, another person that she sent him out to get. And at Hellboy, he also tells Koshki how the blue cloth was also from Vasilisa. Koshki says, did you ever see her again? I did a couple times, Hellboy says. And so that's all he says about it. But I did go back and check. In the wild hunt, when Hellboy found Excalibur, Vasilisa was the one that convinced him that he could use it for good. Because Hellboy was like, ah, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to destroy all of England with the sword if I get it. And she's like, no, think of Alice. You know, you could use this for something good. And so then, and the Storm of the Fury, when Hellboy fought Nimue, Vasilisa got one of the ravens from Nimue's crown and gave it to Hellboy. So and she dope. turned it into a knife. And then Hellboy actually used that knife to kill uh-huh. Nimue. So here he's like, yeah, I saw her a couple times. But she like came in on these very pivotal moments, yeah. you know? So I like this because at the end of Darkness Calls, with Koshki's story and his rivalry with Hellboy, we just saw him get washed away in the water. But now we get to see what happened afterwards. And so it's like, a lot of this has been like recap, recap, but now we're getting to like where we're caught up in the yeah, real I'm time. And yeah. I'm just like, yes, this is what I'm craving. Yeah. This is it. He's like, I thought I saw her once. That cloth, that flood had carried me far beyond any lands I had ever known. And so we see him in this wasteland with all these crooked trees. And this looks kind of where his soul was. It was in some tree on some faraway plain or whatever. 
and he sees Vasilisa running away. Well, we he, see her glowing in gold. He has a little moment though where he's he's sitting back and he's feeling sorry for himself. Yeah. Which after all this, you know, you you would but he's you know, after all that he's like, Ah, look what they've done to me and I, I used to be a cool guy and then all the, they, they did all this shit to me. And right. so, yeah, and so he sees Vasilisa, he's like, Oh no, wait. And then she turns into all these little birds or Aww. something. I love this, right? Because like she was such a tragic character whenever we've seen her. Yeah. And the last thing that she did was she gave Hellboy that knife and she was crying when she gave it to him and all this kind of stuff. And then she disappeared. But we see like her story had an ending. Yeah. You know, after everything, she found some peace it looked like because she turns into all these birds and we get this. I mean, they devote almost a whole page to this. Yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me of that reveal at the end of the third wish where we see all the birds fly out of the soul yeah. jars and stuff like that. Really beautiful. And then we see the Baba Yaga. And she says that the birds are all alighting in this tree. Exactly. Instead of the skulls with no, the well, light. None of the skulls have any lights in them. Exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like the total opposite. And the Baba Yaga says, peace, Kashki. And she already has Hellboy's eye, too. Yeah. And there's just a slightest um, like difference in the color. Yeah. That's so good. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, the one she got from Hellboys is, is slightly oranger. Yeah, I really like that. And we've she's been such a hateful character and so driven by power and all this stuff. But here she says, the world is nearly finished, my love. Now I live in a dream of Russia long gone, and I have nothing more to do with the works of man. All grudges are forgiven, all debts are paid. So maybe that's why Vasilisa is able to move on now because she no longer is bound by that magic that was once part of the Baba Yaga that the Baba Yaga gave her. You know, now that she has no grudges, maybe that's why Vasilisa is able to... How magnanimous of you after causing (laughs) so much horrible Making her die over and over again. But it's also telling that she calls Kashki my love. Yeah. And he's all... Because it, it brings back to when they got married... And the fact that she went to find his soul is because she was hurt and, you know, and all that. And so it's just like she really did it, love him in some I weird way. I don't think she it, was capable of that because that that was to- totally know. against his will. Know. And she had him under know. a spell and he didn't realize what he was doing. So I, don't know. I, I absolutely know. Okay. do know that's not love. OK. And so. OK, well, I'm not I'm not talking about werewolf things. I'm talking about the fact that she thought she loved him. When she said my love, I thought about it like the way that Gollum says that. <laughs> you know when he okay. says, Deagle okay. my love. My like, <laughs> I just thought she's just a fucking monster. I do not feel bad for her. And then Kashki's like, does this mean you'll return my soul? You have no more grudges with man? All debts are paid? I'm sorry. We lost it. It, but, <laughs> it, yeah, sorry, it ran man. away. <laughs> the goat got away. It ran away through the roots of the tree and into hell. She says, be well, Kashki, and good hunting. And so he's going off to find the goat now. And he says, as a final gesture of her goodwill, she restored my armor and weapons. And she pointed me on my way, first across a desert, where the only living thing I saw was a demon looking for a river of blood. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about this when we read Hellboy in Hell. Remember that Hellboy's sister, God, what was her name? I can't remember her name. Gamora, yeah, sorry. Name. She called all these evil flies onto Hellboy for killing Astaroth and his brothers. And then Hellboy was like, wait, I didn't really do that. Astaroth killed one of the brothers, and then Leviathan came out of the ground and ate all of them. And then so the insects, like, they test Hellboy's blood, and they're like, ah, oh, 
he's right and you're a liar. And so they're going to like do horrible things to her. And Hellboy's like, wait, what are you going to do after? After all the horrible things, what's going to happen to her? And they say, they're going to tell her to find a river of blood and it will lead her home. When she gets to pandemonium and sees Satan's cut throat, she will go mad and her screaming will be such that the walls will shatter and come crashing down around her. And that hateful place will be utterly destroyed. But here she hasn't found it yet. Yeah, it's fucking And so even in the Hellboy in Hell, while they're talking about this, we get depictions of what it would look like. And we get one panel where she's wandering through the desert. And so here we're getting that. And she looks so cold and just so horrible. Like you feel bad for her almost, you know, in this panel where he's like, I haven't seen that river of blood. Have you seen a goat? No. Yeah. (laughs) man and kashki he continues through the woods and he finds the tangled maze of the city of hell i love this panel of the tangled maze of the city of hell but like it's it's very how do i describe this it's just a little bit weird exactly yeah and it's weird that uh you know mignola fagredo stenbeck they're all able to portray this like city that's a little too cramped a little too weird yeah just one building that has the heart as a sign was was that something we seen before is that just something new here man you know i i didn't even look at that you're probably we probably have seen it before i'm gonna have to go back and check on that aubrey thanks for pointing that out Uh, all of our listeners will you do the work for john there you go thank you (laughs) not do the work for john i mean help john out. no do the work for me it's like some fucked up version of like a kid's show when they stop and they go can you see the heart (laughs) point to the heart you did it except it's like in a hell, beating heart. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, the beating heart is a sign of a storm. Yeah, and eventually his path led him there, this quiet place by the sea. It was near dark when I arrived, and now almost like morning. Koshki says, "I wouldn't have expected a sunrise in hell. It's different here now." Hellboy says, yeah, it's, "It's different here now. It's very like he would never right like say, like say why it's different. It's just very subtle." <laughs> That's different here now. He says, that demon you ran into in the desert, that was my sister. She found that river, followed it to Pandemonium. That was the capital city here. And she brought the whole place crashing down on her head. But she's still down there somewhere. So that's a new piece, right? Because we've seen what... So now, like Aubrey was wondering if this took place... Um, last week before Hellboy in Hell or afterwards. Right, and, and so, I accidentally... Well, here we get yeah. definitive whether we right. thought it or not because I think a lot of people um, were debating that as we were reading the story as it, would, as it was coming out month to month. See, and again, I, I didn't have to go through that. Right. So I kind of just read it all at once and... But I didn't I lo- mean to like, give but, any but, spoilers ahead of time or anything like that. But yeah, you know, after I read it, I was like, oh, shit. Well... You know, I, I did what John told me. Stop it, three. <laughs> I did not. I did not do that. Yeah, I had, I had to speculate with those three issues. Available. Of course, no. And I taught. I, I I read the whole thing all in one sitting. I couldn't help it. It was so good. And but I like I like whenever we get like, oh, now we know more. Yeah, she's, yeah, still down there. she's still down there. And then Hellboy's like, you're gonna want to watch out for her. All the other major demons are dead. Probably all the minor ones too. But you're going to want to look out for Pluto. Remember, they were trying to call Pluto right before Hellboy destroyed it. They were like, oh, get Pluto down here. But they were too late. Before Satan and his guys showed up, this place used to be his. And now they're all gone. He just might want it back. So I love that, too, because we're like, oh, this is new. You know what I mean? This is some new information. 
I like, you know, Kashiki is like, yeah, I'll keep an eye out for him and, and her, but what about you? Hellboy says, I'll, I'll be around, but like I said, it's different now. I was here, I did some stuff, and now, well, who knows? Yeah. Such a Hellboy response. Right, I did some stuff. That's a very Hellboy thing <laughs> to say. Go read issue 10 of Hellboy in Hell. I did some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean different, Koshki says. And Hellboy's not there. Oh. Koshki did an I'm drinking with skeletons. Ah. Just like in the island when we saw Hellboy, he was partying with all the skeletons, and then he turned around, and they were dead the whole time. And this is what Koshki's been doing this whole time. I love this. Like, it's like... Wait a minute, you know what I mean? You have one of those moments where, I don't know, he's Hellboy now. And Hellboy's dead. Hellboy's not, he's one of those skeletons that's there or whatever. One of these, like, figments or apparitions. Uh, no, I, I think he was actually, actually there hanging with him. But I also think he has, like, ghost powers. Yeah. And I don't he know. can just be like, peace out whenever he wants. Because Hellboy was there singing sea shanties and talking stories with these guys and yeah. he turns around and none of that's been happening. Sure. And that's what made that's what I thought of when I read this. I feel like it did happen. Is Koshki just like mentally processing all the shit that went through his life? No, because in the very next page, Hellboy's like, never stop looking for that goat, pal. Yeah. Why would Koshki imagine him doing that? Okay, yeah. You're you're absolutely right, but I just uh that's what I thought when I got to that moment. Okay. I was like, wait a minute. Right. Has any of this been happening? Oh, okay. You were you know questioning what I mean? yourself like, yeah, like it, like it pulls the rug out under you sure, yeah. on these two panels before you get to this last page. I kind of just, just thought that was Hellboy being like, I'm going to do a sneaky ghost move. Yeah. I'm going to do a Batman, right? Yeah, I'm going to do Batman. We cut over to that house. This is the house that we yeah. saw at the end of Hellboy Aww. in Hell. We saw it under all the stars and everything. Here we kind of see it at dusk and we see hellboy in the window that was the window that had the light in it remember hellboy's still in there and he says to Koshki, never stop looking for that goat pal but till you find it this place whatever it is it's all yours ah. and we see Koshki roaming across the shore past the drunken limpet so there's a new day, and it's not hell anymore. Right. Whatever this place Whatever is. Whatever it is. It's not an, It's well, not anything now. It's like some well, weird I mean, neutral kind of zone. It, it, it's still hell, but it's not a torture dimension anymore. Right. Well, that makes it not hell. New hell. Isn't that what they do when they do something yeah. over, when they but, reboot it? <laughs> okay, so the, the way that I took this kind of last page is that, you know, I still stand by my, my statement that Hellboy walked out of hell at the end of hellboy and hell and he did this is his house this is where he lives but he can still go there for a drink right yeah he's kind of he did leave hell because hell doesn't exist anymore i still say it exists because it is a dimension and you can't destroy your dimension but you can overthrow it i guess okay <laughs> he says it's different now i think that's the best way that we're going to be able to describe that and I, you know, there's also we've we've experienced the whole thing where we've had examples of oh, there's you can exist in this different dimensions right, at the same time, yeah. and time's not real, and oh, sure. and so Hellboy's got this kind of like shapes powers. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah, and he's just... left Koshki to his new journey in whatever this place right, is, and, yeah. and now Koshki gets to kind of. Find his way here in this limbo I wanna see, place. I want to see a Hellboy in Hell version with Koshki. Sure, you know what yeah, I mean? Like absolutely. that's what this leads me what to. Are his is like Koshki, journeys. A, a Koshki in Hell. 
There you go. Yeah, exactly. What choices does he make yeah. here? Because it's it's definitely it doesn't strike me as being hellish in right. any way. It, it would definitely involve puppet shows. Sure, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I mean, it, it definitely gives him curious because you know we know we're not through with Kashki because he's still looking for that goat. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, there you go. So absolutely. Are we going to see that at some point? Well, either either there is something worth seeing and there's a story worth telling that we get to see him on his search for the goat or there isn't and he's just going to be searched for the goat and it's all boring ass shit. Oh, and I wanted to come back to your comment because the Russian version of death said, I doubt you will ever see me again. Right. So does that mean he's mm-hmm. never going to find it and he's just going to roam down there forever? Well, I don't think finding his soul equals death. He's the, I think that was kind of an allusion to he's deathless. But, well, but did, that's I, the only way that he can die. He was like, "Can I?" He, he told the Baba Yaga, right. "Can I get my soul back?" Because that's the only way that he can die now. Right. And the Russian version of Death said, "It is unlikely we'll ever see each other again." So that makes me think, like, does he just live down here forever now? Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what's going to happen? I don't know. You know what I mean? But that well, line, he, when you brought it up, Aubrey, I was like, "Wait a minute!" Now I'm having a thought. Yeah. Well, well, he did say unlikely. He didn't say we'll never see each other. Right. Again. Yeah. Right. Huh. So well, the goat went down there somewhere. Yeah, maybe he's got to go look for it in the I mean, pandemonium, and he's got to go right. face off against Hellboy's sister. Yeah, uh. I mean, we got a great sketchbook section. So, um, like I said last week, I had to buy this trade as soon as it came out. I love this story so much; it was my favorite of the whole year, and I couldn't wait to get my hands on this sketchbook section. And Stenbeck doesn't disappoint. Um, we get some great versions. Um, I love all his sketches trying to figure out the outfits. We see the dragon, you know, his human forms. He had like the little nubs that turn into horns and stuff like that. Did he design this font? Yeah, we that talk about the, so much skill. The, the Koshki logo, font. yeah. Like really nice. Um, I do like where he's talking about the dragon that Mignola said he wanted it to look completely different from how they appeared in the past. So we talked about you know, how it was a little different from the Guy Davis version, but it's still, you could tell it was the same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I really like that. Another thing that y'all had talked about earlier, like it depends on who's telling the story kind of a deal. Right. Um, I love these sketches of the baby dragons. These are really cute. Oh. Babies all different, question mark? Aww. I like how the baby dragons all have those happy little looks on them. Yeah, <laughs> they're really like, cute. Aww. He talks about how... He wanted the the twins, Mishka and Elena, to have like matching armor, which is a nice little touch here. We get a whole page of him figuring out this nightingale, you know, so we see like versions of it where it kind of has like a fish beak mouth or whatever, where it kind of pulls back. I really like looking at all these. There's even one one where it's got like a head inside a mouth. I like the one that says LOL with the arrow. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Those are really good. And then um, I love this page of him figuring out all the little guys that were going to be with the dragon in his palace. You know, yeah, it's like be the most fun. just a little guy in a jar, question mark. And there's a potato demon. I really like these guys. Yeah, these little notes are great. This guy reading a book. There's a little demon that's hanging out with Koshki in his cave when the little red bird comes. And so I like that this one has like a specific design. Like he yeah. was like his little sidekick. We get some more designs of that Mongolian devil version. And we see Stenbeck had some very different ideas of how that was going to look. He said he had a lot of fun doing that. 
Originally, I was trying to add bits of the dragon to his design. At some point, I showed Mike the reference I was working from, and he suggested sticking pretty close to one of them. Sort of a Mongolian thing. There's that sword that y'all were talking about. Yeah, and there's that curved sword that Aubrey was mentioning. We'll have to figure out what that is. Wait, I'm pretty sure Mike Twiddell knows what that sword is. Yeah. (laughs) And just some more random bits. We get some more of these little guys. I like this. The frog and the dog hanging out, having a guilt. Yeah, that's a cute panel right there. These are great. And again, we talk about these discarded Mignola covers. He's like, oh, this one was too busy. I think this is amazing, where it's got Hellboy in the background with the snake and the Baba Yaga and the Russian version of death. Really cool. I would love to see that fully realized. Whenever we get to see these Mignola sketches of him designing stuff, it's really great. Yeah, these are really awesome to check out in the back of the sketchbook. Yeah, so what a great story. I mean, um, this was one of my favorite miniseries of all of them. Did it live up to the hype? That was definitely a fun read for sure. Yeah, it was really good. When I was finishing the story, I was sitting there thinking, man, I fucking love this. Mignola is an amazing writer. Yeah, I was really taken by this one. Everything about it is just like, you know, this is Koshki, a villain. Mignola makes us sympathize with him. Yeah, exactly. But but he doesn't make us like, oh, well, maybe he's got the right idea. He doesn't do that. He makes us see his point of view, even though it is a... You know, Kashki does a fucking lot of fucked up shit. And I think all, that all of that kind of rests on the idea that he, like, what uh, was under a magic spell and didn't Does realize it, what it, he was doing, kind of a thing. So, um, I'd love to hear the listeners' thoughts on what they felt of this miniseries. You know, it it really surprised me. This one caught me off guard. Like, I I've enjoyed all of them, but this one was like, holy shit, that was incredible. Like, I mean, I just really enjoyed every single issue of this one when it came out. I couldn't wait to get the trade. And I couldn't wait to talk about it with all you damn guys. So I'm excited to listen to all your feedback next week. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. Koshki the Deathless. Holy shit. That was amazing. I loved it. I want to hear what you guys think. Please share us your thoughts by sending us a hey, you damn guys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website and our Facebook About section. As always, a special thank you to Mark Friedel for helping us out with the reading order. Thank you, Mark. Love you. And always a shout out to the Side Street Steppers for the amazing music work they just provided for us. Thank you, guys. I love it. Also, thank you, John. For fucking making it sound like we're fucking know what we're talking about. You guys don't know half the shit he just cut out. He's probably cutting this out while we're speaking. You can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week, we're reading an actual book. Oh boy, the Bones of Giants. We're in the prologues and the first four chapters. So it's prologue chapters one through four. So you... Have some new instructions to do. Get a book. Get it from uh, Amazon or um, the bookstore. Or I'm going to do, I'm going to get the Audible audiobook. You guys or can do something. Or maybe libraries also. Yeah. Oh, library. Yeah. Do the Hoopla app or go to your local library and join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle. And I'm Robert Lobo saying, well, you really had it bad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. Oh, you guys. <laughs>